2: I can remember the, that first week of December, just we had a big gap in between games and Mo just fed it to us like hard practice with bag skates. And I can remember Roddy turning to Bates and I and he's like, I'll 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 I'll, I'll handle this. I'll I'll set the pace. I'll lead the way you guys just stay on my heels kind of thing. I was like, oh, man, we're in for a day.
3: Well that team was an amazing collection of young players who were just cutting their teeth, but by the time the playoffs rolled around were really important um, older players who brought a ton of credibility um, to the organization um, to a team that that needed some relevance that needed a a real a real move at that time.
1: for me, it was like you know looking back at a at a time when I really started to feel what Teamwork, what, you know, camaraderie to the next level, what sacrifice, selflessness looked like in 94 in that Vancouver team. And I saw all those qualities just bubble up to the surface when I got in that locker room for the first seven days.
4: Karpolski gets it once again. Inside it goes, a man free in front. What a stop!
5: I just I just remember the momentum terrain coming. Like, once you – it is it is a real thing when you can feel it coming. Uh, and it, we were definitely on it in that game. That you had all these Leafs fans come down and probably come down with an attitude like, why are we going to hockey in North Carolina? And they all walked away, you know, because they had identified and fallen in love with this tailgating experience. Ron McLean and Don Cherry, I, I think – I think in in talking to them, the friends that they are, that's when they've started to, you know, really say this is a pretty cool spot.
4: Welcome to the Cane's Corner Podcast with your host, Adam Gold. The Cane's Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. And now, here's Adam.
6: The Carolina Hurricanes were just four years into their stint in North Carolina when things started to turn in their favor. It really began in a playoff series against the New Jersey Devils in the spring of 2001. You remember the one in which Ron Francis and Shane Willis were both knocked out, but the team didn't buckle. Hi, this is Adam Gold, and welcome to the 25th Anniversary Canes Corner Podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, and thanks to you for coming along for this walk down an icy memory lane. I was sitting one row from the glass just to the inside of the Hurricanes offensive blue line when Scott Stevens knocked Ron Francis into the next season. It was the blow that should have ended the series right there. The Devils were one of the top teams in the NHL, having won the Stanley Cup two years prior and would again in 2003. They were physically intimidating on top of simply being great. But even after Francis and Willis saw their series end in Game 3, the Hurricanes managed to win Game 4, went back to New Jersey, and took Game 5, forcing a Game 6 back at the Entertainment and Sports Arena. That the Hurricanes lost that game isn't nearly as important as that they won over a huge swath of fans. And when the 2002 playoffs rolled around, it was a very different Carolina team and a very different result. 2006 was the Carolina Hurricanes' crowning achievement. I mean, lifting the Stanley Cup on your ice in front of your fans is a feeling only so many have enjoyed. But the road to the 2006 championship really got jump-started four years earlier when the Canes put together a stunning postseason run in 2002 that laid the foundation for what was to come. Today is the story... Of the 2002 Carolina Hurricanes, a team with a great mix of seasoned vets and young stars on the rise, a team that was built on the go, a team that would not take no for an answer. In early December of 2001, the Canes were 12, 12, 4, and 3. This is, of course, in the days of the actual ties. Now, that certainly wasn't bad, but it also wasn't great. And with four straight losses, things were getting a bit dicey. You'll hear from a handful of Carolina players from that team, including defenseman Sean Hill, who returned to the Hurricanes in a December trade and fan favorite Eric Cole, who was in his first NHL season.
2: I can remember that first week of December. Just We had a big gap in between games, and Mo just fed it to us. Like, hard practice with bag skates and... Like I can remember Roddy turning to Bates and I, and he's like, I'll, "I'll, I'll, I'll, I'll handle this. I'll, I'll, set the pace. I'll lead the way. You guys just stay on my heels, kind of thing." It was like, "Oh man, we're in for a day," and that was the week that you know this Joker got uh, got traded back to Raleigh, and he comes in full of energy and everything, and
7: just I mean, we're all miserable. They had they had the, probably the worst week of their professional careers, and I just had uh, you know the best thing. Of my pro career just happened. Me coming back to a place where I had success and and loved my teammates and and that type of thing. So I was uh, I was probably a little over the top with my enthusiasm, but uh, at that point in time they needed it. So it was uh, it was a good uh, it was a good combo.
6: The team that started the season was not the team that finished the season because you come back, Henneken and Adams come in in the trade. From Florida for Sandus Zalench who was going the other way, so when you got there and as the team developed, Sean, did you sense that this team was putting together a, a group that could legitimately compete in the East?
7: I had a feeling that we were gonna we weren't gonna be an easy out, you know, as what what my thoughts were. I was coming from a really good team in St Louis, and but the team wasn't close like our team. Um, was and got closer and closer the the further we went and stuff. And, um, you know, when we got Hetty from from Florida, great skater, um, you know, really good defender, can play offense as well. And and Kevin Adams, obviously, is you're not going to get a better teammate, number one. You're not going to get a guy who lays his body on the line more than that guy, um, a guy that can walk into any room no matter where it is, what it is, what the situation is and he can be comfortable, you know, command respect and um, so it was it was really big getting uh, both those guys and you know I think the more we moved on and, and you know week after week after week, we just started playing better and better and we realized, you know Ronnie was Ronnie was a superstar, but at that point, you know, he was he was late in his career. He was still playing at a very high level, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a top-five guy in the league or anything like that. But we knew our game was uh, – our team game could match up with just about anybody. We weren't going to be able to to run a gun with, you know, uh, somebody that, you know, up and down the, the ice track meet type of stuff. But we knew if we got to our game and we played it that we were going to be tough to beat. And uh, I think everybody – kind of embraced that thought that if we play our team game we're going to be a tough tough team to beat and guys uh guys really grabbed onto it and ran with it
6: the trade they referenced was the one that brought two more foundational pieces of the championship team to raleigh with flashy offensive defenseman Sandis ozelinch headed to florida hurricanes gm jim rutherford acquired the smooth skating defenseman brett hedekin and gritty scrappy center kevin adams
3: probably first impression where you walked in and you just you just kind of were like whoa there was there was a close team you could see that but serious talent and you know like we had been in the division so obviously playing against the team we knew but um, then seeing it up close with Francis and Brindamore and just the guys, you know, O'Neill and, um, you know, then the, the guys like Cole and Bataglia that were young at the time. Um, I just think there was a sense of, like, this might be a pretty, pretty good team that we just got traded to. We probably both felt the same way.
6: Hedekin played for a cup eight years prior with the Vancouver Canucks.
1: For me, I was always chasing to get back to the Stanley Cup finals and getting another chance at a Stanley Cup. But I think from even walking in that locker room and feeling what I felt – It took me back to 1994 almost instantaneously. And there's one common denominator there, Adam, uh, when I think about this. I think about Martin Jelena. He was part of the 94 team in Vancouver. He was in that locker room in Carolina. So I really had a a real confident feeling about the group overall and walking in there and, and seeing him and then everybody
6: else. Francis, now the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, was winding down a Hall of Fame career, but he was still super smart. He was an effective player. And he was smart enough to know what it means when a team acquires significant reinforcements midseason.
0: Anytime when you get to uh, a position like that, and, you know, Jim Adds, players to your lineup? You know, weak see big, solid goaltender, uh, along with Arthur, gave us, uh, you know, two guys we could count on and rely on, uh, which was real good. And then, you know, Hetty just his skating and puck moving ability, and be able to either skate it out of the zone or get it out of the zone, you know, us there. And then Kay Adds yeah, just a. Uh, the kind of guy that you want in your team in your locker room, right? He sacrifices everything he has to help the team win and be successful. And, um, you know, I think they were just good additions to our team. They fit right into the mentality that we had that year. That was just kind of worker like, And, and, uh, you know, ultimately, we we came close. We didn't we didn't get what we wanted, and that was disappointing. But uh, you know, it certainly was a, a heck of a run by a, a great group of guys that uh, that almost accomplished what we wanted to do.
6: Longtime television voice John Forsland. Well, that team was an amazing collection
3: of young players who were just cutting their teeth. But by the time the playoffs rolled around, were really important um, older players who brought a ton of credibility. Um, to the organization, um, to a team that that needed some relevance, that needed a a real a real move at that time, um, because it was so hard to get any kind of respect around the league based on the move. And even though they had a chance in the playoffs in '99, and they had the one round in '01, it wasn't really gaining the traction I think that everyone was expecting. Um, and so it was, the timing was perfect. And then it was also um, a general manager who was able to make some key deals in the middle of that season, which is something that, you know, Jim Rutherford's talent as a GM, there's a lot of things that go into it, but there are very few GMs, in my opinion, in hockey that are able to tweak teams in season. It's something you'd never see uh, today because of the salary cap and everything centers around the trading deadline. But these hockey deals were made to jumpstart a team, to bring certain guys back that the locker room needed. And it all came together in the second half. It wasn't a it wasn't a joyride. The regular season was way different than the 05-06 Hurricanes. This was a work in progress for most of the year until they got to the playoffs.
1: Again, Hedekin. I was there a week and I remember after the first week of being there calling my wife, Christy, because uh, uh, she hadn't come to, to Carolina at the time. And I called her and I said, you know what? I said, I, I think this team is going to do something special for me. It was like, you know, looking back at a, at a time when I really started to feel what teamwork, what, you know, camaraderie to the next level, what sacrifice selflessness looked like in 94 in that Vancouver team and I saw all those qualities just bubble up to the surface when I got in that locker room for the first seven days. Remember what I said earlier about
6: the Devils? Well, that was the opening round opponent for the Hurricanes, and that meant Eric Cole was going to have to, as the kids say, keep his head on a swivel. Like I knew what my matchup was going to be that series. Uh,
2: like I, I mean, I was getting sick in the you know in the locker room before the before the first game. You know, the way that, you know, Shane Willis got knocked out and Ronnie got knocked out and just, you know, Mr. Rutherford always kind of, you know, talked about how, you know, New Jersey was kind of what we were modeling, you know, the organization after. It's, you know, guys develop in the minors and you don't always, you know, get a chance right away and and things like that. And so when when you're able to go out and defeat uh you know the the organization that's you know and and been, they've had that success under that model and everything and then you're able to to go out and 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 get the better of them in a seven game series i think that that was just huge boost for our whole group
6: do you remember kevin week's save on john madden well if you don't google it kids it just might have been the save that ignited a franchise trip tracy tv analyst for the hurricanes if Kevin Weeks doesn't make that save, you're you're losing that series New Jersey. New
5: Jersey was a juggernaut. They won the Stanley Cup the next year with essentially the same team, didn't they? I mean, they were they were stellar. You needed two goaltenders that were standing on their head in combination in Irby and Weeks to beat that team. And then all of a sudden you had you had home ice because of the Southeast Division against Montreal and Toronto. So you make me try to begin to figure out but I can't if Kevin Weeks doesn't make that save could the Carolina Hurricanes be in a completely different state
6: Longtime television voice, John Forsland. Well, personally, what stands out is
3: one of the great calls that I can't stand is the Kevin Weeks save. I lost it, and, and I guess and organically that's okay. Um, but that's one of those calls that people tell me all the time oh, we love that that overtime save by Weeksy. We love your call on that, and that's one that I cringed about for a few years afterwards. I didn't like how it sounded. Rahulski gets it
4: once again. Inside it goes, a man free in front. What a stop! The rebound!
3: It was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable moment because these New Jersey Devils were in a different place. They were, they're one of the greatest organizations and teams of that era. And uh, for the little Hurricanes to get in there and and have this rivalry going with the Devils and beat the Devils and get through that that defense and that goalie, um, you know, who, who saw
6: that one coming? Back to the captain of that team, Ron Francis and we played
0: them the year before and obviously willie and i didn't finish the series but to come back and have to go through jersey again i believe i scored the goal in the game that knocked them out the game when in the game that knocked them out of the playoffs so certainly gratified to come back and and uh and do that and and allow our franchise to to move on but um it's always part of the process right learning how to win and learning how to get over the hump and and uh, you know, for us, I think that was a, a big series win that gave us a uh, belief and a confidence that we could we could move forward.
6: With the Devils in the rearview, it was on to Montreal to meet up with the storied Canadiens and their eventual MVP-winning goaltender Jose Theodore. That story and a major miracle after the break. Adam Golden Studio with my friend Jeff Monsine, who used to be the owner-operator of the aluminum company of North Carolina. His dad was as well. Sammy Hanna is now in charge. Let's talk about windows, or are they winders? I like to say winders because You winders, look like a winder guy. Yeah. But if you're thinking about custom-made
5: windows, bay and bow windows, garden windows, double-hung sliders, all the windows are insulated, super energy efficient, tilt-in for cleaning. Give the aluminum company a call. One of
3: the great salesmen will come out, give you a free no-obligation estimate. Ryan can tell you a little bit more. Can I talk
6: more. to one of the great salesmen? Yeah, talk to him. I have Ryan Monsine here. You know him. Do you have a favorite window?
5: We do. My favorite's the double-hung window. Like Jeff said, it tilts in, easy to clean. And it's Energy Star rated, which means it's going to make your home a lot more airtight, a lot more energy efficient, too.
6: Very good. I like airtight. I like energy efficient. And I like the fact that you called your dad, Jeff. Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. 800-672-4348 and AluminumCompany.com. Welcome back to the 25th Anniversary Cades Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. With the New Jersey Devils already dispatched, it was on to the conference semifinals to meet the Montreal Canadiens. The Habs weren't an offensive juggernaut. But in Jose Theodore, they had not only the Vezina Trophy winner as the league's top goalie, but also the winner of the Hart Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player. And through three and two-thirds games of the series, it looked as though he might be too much for Carolina longtime television voice, John Forsland. The Molson Miracle is one of the iconic moments in franchise
3: history. And, and lucky enough that we were still able to be in a second-round situation where we could televise it for the local market. And that game was just a... Unbelievable, unbelievable story, and uh, to watch to watch that come back in the third period, and um, just to see those guys come together like they did, and then and then oust the Canadians. Shot beats
4: Pataglia, back it goes for Sandy Kaplan, and inside it's Ron Francis. Great pass, Hill scores. John Hill getting the pass from Ron Francis on the one timer. Carolina stays put on the power play, and they finally beat Theodore. It's Brindamore over the line, inside. Oleg Petrov is back defensively for Montreal. They'll play it off the wall. Boulos is shoved by Nick but Taglia takes control, fanning on a shot. Now Pauline rolling it deep. Here's Brindamore. Harold Dykehouse getting to it. Taglia has control. Inside it goes. Knocked down by Brindamore. On the cycle game, here come the Canes. The pass detected by Gilmore. And the Canadians. Right it clear, but don't. Held in by Brindamore. Now Bataglia walks, holds, shoots one. He scores! Short side on Theodore. Bates Bataglia has brought the Carolina Hurricanes within one. Brindamore called Bataglia. Francis Kapanen-Hill. Kapanen-Watt shoots. It's tipped just wide. Francis behind the goal. Ronnie Francis tries to make it happen. To the point, it comes for Kapanen. Hammered by Hill. It's tipped. Brindamore after it. Bataglia turns. Shoots Theodore to save the rebound. Offense, Bill Lindsay. To take The Carolina
5: Hurricanes have tied the series.
6: Then alternate
5: captain, Rod Brindamore. We had a bunch of power plays happen. I just remember I felt like that anyway. And remember, we got one on it to kind of okay, we're 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 back, we're close. I think, if I'm right, Bates got a goal that got us right back in there, and then obviously the winner in overtime. Um, I just I just remember the momentum terrain coming. Like once you, it is it is a real thing when you can feel it coming.
6: Uh, and it, we were definitely on it in that game. Sean Hill just inside of four minutes into the third, made it 3-1. Nine minutes later, Bates Pataglia brought the Hurricanes within a goal. Then with 41 seconds left, it was Eric Cole with the Canes net empty that helped pull this game into overtime. Where Nick Valine. Would of course win it. Here's Hill, and then Cole.
7: Yeah, I won't. I won't forget that. That was uh, that was a cool game. I mean, we were, you know, for all intents and purposes, everyone outside of our room thought we we're, were beat for the game and most likely probably the series. And you know, I get chills right now just thinking about it. But just the way it it all went down and turned around and that was a a cool cool moment in sports for me. They were
2: bulletproof playing in front of him. When he, when he was playing the way he was because he was really hard to beat. And from that moment, uh, you know, in that third period, from, I mean, the rest of the series, we thumped him. I think it was 5-1 at home. And then, you know, we, we put him to bed pretty early uh, in Montreal too. So, like, yeah, it was all
6: downhill from there. Theodore, as I said, was the MVP of the league. But from there, woof. Four goals in the third, plus overtime, five more in Game 5 in Raleigh. Then he yielded eight in the series clincher back at Molson. Here's John Forslund.
3: This just broke the floodgates open. It ruined what was a spectacular season for Jose Theodore. Yep. It, 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 it had, we have Doug Gilmore slamming the penalty box and the glass breaking and, you know, all these things. And then you're going in – it was called Ben Molson Center, and you're going into that building. Uh, and, and it's spiritual. I, I mean, that sounds probably over the top, but I listen, um, I know when I go into that building, even though it's not the old forum, for some reason it still feels like it. And so – it's not a stretch to say that it is a cathedral for hockey. Brett Hedekin. I just remember always feeling so
1: confident uh, with a group, even though you were down, down in a series, down in a game. You know, There's certain level of teams that when you have that ability to know that the work has been done throughout the course of the season and the confidence and the selflessness uh, among a group, when you have those moments in a series, you, you, there's not a lot of panic. And I felt like that's what it felt like in Montreal. It, it felt like there wasn't a lot of panic, even though being down 3 nothing going into that third, there, there still was a confidence about us. There was guys leaning into one another in and a real sureness the way we stepped onto the ice knowing that we could still do this. And I think those are the things I, I can remember more than just specific things in games. It, it's, it's funny the way my brain feels and the way it works about that, but that's, that's kind of where it goes.
6: Hill and Cole talked about the perception of the hurricanes throughout that postseason. Hill first.
7: You know, to be honest, I think in any of those three series, if you would ask people around the league, I don't think anyone was thinking we were gonna win besides again the guys in in our room and and that's what you know made it so special and, and Toronto was they were loaded pretty good that year. Um and, you know, it was it was kinda cool. You know, it was always us versus everyone in our mindset, you know, us versus the world. But it was kinda cool how after after Jersey then it was, you know, when we're when we're coming down to it and we're, you know, knowing this is gonna happen, we're gonna beat Montreal and then we you know to think it's Toronto next, it was, you know, us versus Canada basically and <laughs> which is pretty cool because I don't I don't remember exactly who was coming out of the West, who Detroit had to beat, but I'd I Colorado. Don't, yeah. So, I mean, for us to knock Canada right off the whole thing is, is pretty cool feeling, you know, especially when, like Colsey said, it's, it's their national pastime. It's their, you know, their religion. It's, it's everything to them. And, you know, for a pesky little group of mutts out of, out of Raleigh to come in and, you know, first of all, beat the Canadians who have fans across all of Canada. And then, same with Toronto to beat both of them who both have, you know, so many more fans outside their own, you know, province than they do in basically sometimes it's uh it was pretty neat to for us to be able to do that. I
2: don't think that anyone gave us very much credit. I think New Jersey especially. I can remember a quote from Bobby Holik being like, you know, hockey mecca or you know, NASCAR mecca or something like that uh when he was asked the question about having to face you know, us as opposed to Toronto in the first round. So I I think maybe New Jersey didn't really give us as much credit and kind of, you know, thought that they were going to be able to just, you know, turn it on and, you know, just, you know, take a series from us and then you you get to Montreal and they just beat the number one seed in Boston. So, you know, their whole media market, I mean, it's, it's how it is in Montreal when it's a high, it's really, really high. And the fans are all right up there with it, and I think that you know their' so their belief I think that the team had a really strong belief in themselves as well because of of Theodore, and so I don't think that they really gave us too much credit, but I think when it came to the Toronto series, I feel like the Toronto team you know I think they felt like they could they could beat us, but they had a ton of guys that had been out with injuries and things like that. And they gave us enough respect that, you know, for for getting there, for getting to that conference final with them. So I think, I think that that series was, you know, I think that series was was definitely it was the most difficult for me for sure. <laughs> um, but I think that that one would, like really kind of took uh, took a toll on our
6: our group. Fun fact about the 2002 Eastern Conference Finals between the Canes and the Maple Leafs. The most goals scored in any game was three total. Here's Trip Tracy. I'll always think of the conference final, Adam,
5: as as good of a goaltending battle as I've ever seen between Archer Zerbe and Curtis Joseph. Uh, As as stellar of goaltending at both ends as I've ever seen. Jeff O'Neill, you know, the eye of the storm uh, in, in game three. And then that also, too, in the big picture. You know, because it was Toronto that you had all these Leafs fans come down and probably come down with an attitude like, "Why are we going to hockey in North Carolina?" And they all walked away, you know, because they had identified and fallen in love with this tailgating experience. Ron McLean and Don Cherry. I, I think, I think, in in talking to them, the friends that they are, that's when they started to, you know, really say, "This is a pretty cool spot." John Forslund,
3: and it's the Maple Leafs now, and it just seemed like it, the hurdle was getting higher, you know, each step, and everyone was expecting this has got to be the end of the road. This has got to be the end of the ro- road, and the Leafs have to go back, and uh, and and in the atmosphere surrounding it, between the two fan bases, the people that were traveling, you know, from from Toronto to get tickets to get to come to Raleigh and and and, and pale gate outside, it was it was spectacular and uh, and our friends at Hockey Night in Canada that were covering the series um, to give it respect, to give Raleigh respect, it was a big step all that stuff was happening away from the game but on the ice um, it was a remarkable one of the best playoff series I've ever covered and witnessed and uh, it was just great
6: I told you the 2002 run had a lot so much so that we're going to need another week where we're headed after the break Welcome back to the 25th Anniversary Canes Corner podcast. I am Adam Gold. The 2002 playoffs were a two month thrill ride. From Kevin Weeks' remarkable save to keep the Hurricanes in front of the Devils and eventually vanquish the Monsters from New Jersey, to the miracle at Molson, we head to the conference finals for a truly remarkable showdown. It's the only time the Hurricanes and Maple Leafs have ever met in the playoffs. And it was one of the greatest series in the last 25 years, maybe longer. But even though it was all about goaltending, this series might be best remembered for Jeff O'Neill's overtime goal that gave Carolina a Game 3 win. Earlier in the night, he took a puck to the eye, but refused to give in. Eric Cole and Sean Hill reminisce. O's
2: goal in OT with the black eye. Like, just you come back to the bench, and you know, Pete's got the ice inside, you know, a latex glove, and he's trying to keep the swelling out of there. I mean, at one point, I think there was a debate about cutting him, but right. like, but I don't think the doctor wanted that, he didn't want that scar. So, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, for him to stay in, um, especially because he had. He had struggled a little bit in the New Jersey series, but to the point where in the, you know, in the Montreal series, I mean, he's the guy, you know, playing on a third line role, you know, winning the face off that, you know, Nicki Walleen puts in the back of the net for the for the OT winner. So like, like O was a little bit in the doghouse in the Montreal series and to go back to his hometown and play the way he did you know for the remainder of the playoffs for us like yeah he was incredible and I and that you know that game obviously had a you know a huge a huge boost you know for him personally I think
7: I think that that was a huge part of it you know him with the black eye like Colsey said was kind of you know very indicative of what the series was like i think it was more of a battle than than the other two series um you know all the series were physical back then but you know i remember you know roberts corson tucker um you know they those guys played hard and they were they were finishing everything and everybody finishes everything in the playoffs but not to the extent that these guys did um domi domi yeah i mean they're like I said, and they had you know Panakarovsky was a big body, and and when he wanted to bang and Antropov, and I mean they just they were heavy, they were heavy, um, you know across their lineup, and um, you know I think that's probably the biggest the biggest thing is how physical the series was, and that you know kind of transitions right to
6: oh with the the look, you know. We will pick up the series against Toronto next time. This 25th anniversary Canes Corner Podcast Series is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, with special assistance from Rusty Helser. I am Adam Gold, and we'll see you next time. You've
4: been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Hey, I The Kane's Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.